Good evening from Mission Control Houston and welcome back to tonight's continuing coverage of the landing of the Soyuz TMA-07M spacecraft and its crew of three Expedition 35 astronauts. As of right now, the crew has moved into their Soyuz craft, having uh, shut the hatches between the craft and the International Space Station successfully back at about 2.50 p.m. Central Time, wrapping up a historic 144 days on board the station. Yes, uh, yeah. Boy, that was quite a ride home. Get it for riffs. Hello, riffers. It's a new year. Yo, 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 yo. It's a new year for riffing. It's a new year for kind of riffs. Things are, I guess, as they used to be. Or have, has anything changed, Ole? Yeah, uh, 2022, right? Something like this. Corona's yeah, over. Yeah, uh, we forgot yeah. about that. 2022, uh, cool <laughs> year. But what happened with 2021? I don't know. 2022, what happened with you? 2021. Yeah. How was like 2021? Let's uh, let's still like um, we we keep on yeah. uh, make believing that we are in 2022. Then how was 2021? Yeah, it started off pretty bad. Numbers were up. Uh, lockdown continued. Had to cancel a show. Uh, really, bleh. I just wanted to vomit. But then it got better. I got vaccinated. I got to go to Sweden. Got to see my family. And then uh, it was all over. <laughs> That's what I hope happened. But probably it's opposite day. Because uh, I think it's just going to yeah, be yeah, yeah. Uh, the same in a year. I have a very, I uh, must say today I'm feeling very uh, pessimistic on this whole thing. But yeah. I mean, you being from the future, dear listener, or at least from the year 2022, when we're broadcasting, of course, you know how it went. Uh, yeah. But this is me in 2022 looking back. And what about you, Jonathan? How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm Okay, I'm landing back in, in reality now. It is early 2021 and nothing has has changed right uh, nothing really changed it was a good holiday that's about it it's uh, snowy and snowy and nice i like that uh, it's cold uh, it's uh, i am uh, also a little bit uh, i guess uh, pessimistic or uh, i wouldn't say overly hyped uh, yet you know i'm holding my horses so to speak but uh, then again always ready to riff doesn't matter if the horses are in the stable or on raising grounds on the roof. It doesn't really matter. The horses are in the stable, but the riffs are still ready to go. That's, that's so right. I'm all right over here. Yeah. Wonder if we have some horse riffage today. Uh, no, but I have to I have to add, it's always nice to be here, dear listener, with you guys. I, I thought we'd just start, actually, today. So uh, why don't I start? Yeah, go for it. All right.
mean, I, I know the song, but uh, I don't know if it's because I'm tired today or whatever. I get no name in my head. I've got to. I mean, you you got to feel silly because uh, we played songs of this band uh, a lot. I or I kind of let's say let's let's say like this: we had a band together, Reverend John Loth, and I kind of for, formed it uh, in a. I, my wish was to sound like this band, and I made you guys play the songs of them, at least two, three of them, four maybe. Uh, this wasn't one of them, um, but it's from an album that we heavily featured in our set list. <laughs> so maybe, and it's also tuned down to C. So yeah, maybe you right. can. Uh, uh, yes, uh, completely recognize it. What did you say about the album? There was a small dropout there in in, in my audio. Oh, uh, the album, the two songs we featured in our live set list was from this same album. and this, But this song wasn't mm. one of them. And then, of course, it's uh, uh, Spiritual Beggars, right? Woo! Yes! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a band uh, mentioned many times in in this podcast, and uh, mm. uh, of course, it's the um, kind of brainchild of uh, Mike Amott. And I I don't even know if it's prior or um, or um, uh, subsequent to him forming Arch Enemy. Actually, I don't know. Mm. It's uh, it's parallel, you could say. It's so at co- the same like time, completely parallel. Like started in the same day, or uh, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, no, but it's true. Uh, Ham, Halmstad native uh, Michael Amott, he started uh, Amott, Amott started uh, Carnage, this uh, old school death metal band in right. 1988, and then he uh, he was uh, with John Leva, who later became the singer of Arch Enemy, but then he got picked up by uh, uh, Carcass, uh, which we did an episode of, but it hasn't aired because I, I think. I was too tired or something. I don't remember. I might return to that. Um, yeah. And that, then uh, he played with them for a while, but then he uh, wanted to try out a new thing with uh, again with John Leva. Uh, but at the same time, as a kind of uh, after playing so much death metal, uh, he wanted to uh, play some of his more like uh, childhood music, this uh, '70s rock and. Uh, like classic rock, really, but he got together with um, uh, Christian Spice Sjöstrand and Ludwig Witt. Hell of a uh, lineup, I must say, this first uh, lineup of Spiritual Beggars. And uh, I must say, it's all, all it will get better before it gets, wor- it gets worse, in yeah. my opinion. Um, <laughs> but they, they released two albums and they got signed uh, with Music for Nations, which was quite a big label back in the day for this kind of music but but also Definitely. at the same time Arch Enemy took off really took off in Japan so they got signed to a Japanese uh, uh, record label uh, Toys Factory I think I remember these things from the <laughs> from the liner notes but uh, back in the day um, and they uh, it, it really like became this thing that he went out on uh, he went on tour with uh, Spiritual Beggars, and then he, he, they were nominated for a Grammy, actually, for their second album, um, Another Way to Shine, but they didn't win it. And I think they were super drunk, at, uh, and they got in, uh, Spice got into a fight also with uh, 
some random dude. Or maybe it was really like a famous person. Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. I just know that Spice did uh, like he's a big uh, drinker and smoker uh, for sure. It's reflected in many of his lyrics. And also when he went (laughs) on stage in Denmark and hailed them as Småland. Uh, you know, <laughs> probably came up with that on the spot, right? Maybe he even thought he was in Småland, but I wouldn't think so. I think it was just a Hello, obnoxious. Småland. I think it was an uh, ob- obnoxious fella, for sure. A little bit obnoxious, but uh, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves because then, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they then they he he goes on tour with Spiritual Beggars. He releases an album, then he releases an album with uh, Arch Enemy, and then goes on tour with them. Um, so it's like an on and off. Uh, relationship with both of the bands and he, he kept that going but I, f- I have the feeling that in the beginning Spiritual Beggars was more of the main band up until uh, Arch Enemy got a new singer uh, they dropped Jan Liva and got uh, Angela uh, Gossow a yeah. German singer who uh, it, and it's that combination of this female vocalist with uh, the brutal really brutal uh, vocals and the melodic death metal that uh, is is kind of yeah it, yeah they were early the, the, on the, on that on that train and we're yeah. not going to open that rabbit hole because there's a big discussion involving like potentially sensitive topics even but you know it's just a <laughs> it became a thing this kind of nerds band led by a, a, a hot enough female lead vocalist that could just kind of crush it especially in lands uh, countries like Germany and then she was yeah. also from Germany, so she had that yeah. kind of thing going for her. She's been not replaced now, actually, but she has a succeeder. So she's uh, yeah. she's the manager of the band, and there's a new, younger lady and at the helm. But I think the new one actually yeah. growls better. So I'm going to end uh, that <laughs> tangent with that. Uh, but it's an interesting thing because I think the two bands, uh, Michael Lambert, I think I think for him. It's a fantastic opportunity to have two bands where you can you have many ideas, but you have two bands to put them in. So like stuff that doesn't work in uh, Spiritual Beggars, you can put in Arch Enemy and vice versa. But <laughs> as will become as uh, as became apparent, he also reused things, he reused yes. licks and riffs from uh, Spiritual Beggars and used them in uh, in Arch Enemy. But also the other way around, which is like some some uh, we will hear. I will I will play some more yeah. music from them, but uh, maybe get back. <laughs> yeah, like you, like you said the other week. I think it was one or two weeks back. You said that he's a big riff stealer, act, riff thief. Yes, yes, an extreme yes. riff thief, uh, and that goes for both of his yeah, bands. For sure, for sure. But I I wanted to uh, be a bit uh, like uh, appreciative and also. Uh, give my thanks to him because he introduced me to uh, I think the riff guitar like this sort of riffs that uh, uh, are very like nice to get into when you when you're playing uh, guitar you know like a lot of riffs are all over over the place or like they have to do with thirds or fourths but here we're talking box we're very talking box. pentatonic and yeah. pentatonic is the the name of the game when it comes to uh, Michael Amott. I mean, he he loves pentatonic. That's what he's famous for, and the uh, excessive use of Vava pedals. But I think that's also pretty nice. Um, but maybe you just play this riff again. It's uh, the song. You don't know which song it is uh, by any chance. Now uh, you got some. Not really. Done. I mean, it's really like a standard riff, right? So it could be in so many. But I hear a, I hear a little melody on top of it when you play it. But I don't know the yeah. title now. So it's uh, Save Your Soul from uh, uh, the 2000, uh, album from the 2000, uh, Per Aspera Ad Astra, uh, the purple album. 
And uh, yeah, it starts off like this. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, directly into the first verse with the uh, lyrics by uh, Spice, the other very important member of uh, uh, Spiritual Beggars. Uh, Christian Spice Sjöstrand, also from Hamsta. Uh, they were never really friends. They more, more had a productive relationship uh, when making music, but uh, I once read in an old close-up magazine that... Uh, <laughs> an interview with uh, Michael Lamott when he said that yeah, we were on tour once with Spiritual Beggars and I wasn't I was feeling depressed to tell you the truth and I did the worst thing the worst decision ever I asked uh, Christian for advice and <laughs> Spice being the most negative cynical you know dude ever you know th th that just didn't work uh, so they had like they didn't get along but but musically they got got along really good and they had the same idea about like what the, what kind of music uh, spiritual beggars would play. Yeah, um, but I think these lyrics are uh, maybe the some of the quintessential lyrics of uh, uh, Spice. Um, so it, it goes uh, just yeah. Let me sing for pleasure. Let me drink my treasure up to the mountain of faith. Hit me again. While you kiss your left brain, you oppress your right brain. Ice pops up in your ass. Run with the flock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember this clearly. I, I think I've had this uh, Ad Astra on mini disc, even you know, in the mini disc days, I had it recorded. Mm, oh, actually, quite high quality on that one. But uh, that's for the riff archaeologists to to check out, rather than you, dear <laughs> listener, because it's a dead format. But yeah, I remember walking around listening to this song in in that kind of high quality it's a high definition production too i think studio friedman mm. uh, yeah. is probably responsible Direct for that. great producer i mean he doesn't sound vintage at all uh, except for the riffs but it has the the playing and the riffs from is kind of from eras yeah. past and then just with this super actually quite brutal sound that is really really high end really full frequency response and i think they do that quite well and uh, and as you play this song it takes me back to to listening to that and also the lyrics for me i've always read them just one simple way and that is him saying like uh, i don't really want to be part of society uh, i don't want to repress my left brain or is it right i don't know it's a little bit these left and right brains in that song so mm. kind of him saying i gotta i don't want to do this thing i just want to get high and drunk and hang out with my cat yeah something a like bit, that a little bit like that i also get that feeling uh, but it, it really marries well to uh, the stoner rock, I have to say. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's it, honest too. It's honest. He's not, he's not posing. I'm sure he's not posing. It's too depressive no. to be to be posing, right? Yeah, no, but way more than, for instance, uh, bands like Dozer or Fu Manchu who write songs about driving a car, you know, down the road. It's like, uh, yeah. that's uh, that's kind of the thing. And uh, no, it, and it, there's many good. Uh, lyrics also from this album but uh, also a lot of good riffs and I think you might remember this one
uh, one of the songs with, that we played live, yeah. Escaping the Fools. Trying to remember that lead. Uh, I don't quite remember it, but it's a good lead. Freedom is the name of my soul. <laughs> that was really like yeah. where we we kind of also wanted to play euphoric rock. We made up that uh, genre. Yeah, yeah. Because in that is song, that... in the, the lyrics are more kind of on the uh, when you're completely stoned already. I would say um, so. The, you're you know you're in that mode of freedom is the name of my soul, etc. Mm. Escaping the yeah. fools, right? So again, it's kind of in line with my with my guest there that you know he's he's not part of society. Freedom is the name of his soul. He's escaping the, those damn fools. And exactly. he's probably high as old hell or drunk or both. Yeah. Uh, I think then I wanted to... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, like first question I have. Uh, what do you think... And we kind of talked about this last week with uh, Captain Beyond. Uh, because they kind of are, they are seen as a proto-stoner band. Uh, mainly because I think a lot of stoner rock bands base their music more on them than on uh, or as much on them as they did on Black Sabbath for sure uh, yeah. would, would you agree yeah and, and what, what then constitutes a, a stoner rock riff yeah it's a mind? good question it's a good question it does not have to be down tuned however it's become kind of the norm right and that's how we started because it's uh, it sounds really heavy I mean Actually, I mean, for many, for many uh, music knowers or music uh, music scholars, uh, I think Master of Reality, really, Black Sabbath, is the first stoner album or stoner rock, uh, stoner metal album I played. Uh, I featured early on in, in Getting for Riffs, of course, um, Into the Void, which is a very stonerish song or Sweet Leaf, you know, about Marijuana, obviously. Stoner-ish, yeah. and you have, you're down-tuned to C-sharp on that one, and it's one year before Captain Beyond as well, so it's very early. And uh, at that time, mm. Deep Purple was still maybe, you know, they had some hard-rocking songs, some driving, punchy stuff on in rock, and then also next year, 72, they had uh, Machine Head, obviously. But they're not so stoner-ish. I think, uh, like, at the release of Captain Beyond self-titled, they were already way more stoner than... The purple actually ever was yeah. or ever was to be, so it kind of lands on Black Sabbath in a sense. But then you also have Jim Hendrix, right? Uh, late sixties mm. already quite stonerish. So yeah. uh, what constitutes it? Maybe something oh, heavy, something groovy, you know? Like, uh... also stone riff, I think. Definitely, it's easy to come but up with I on the spot. Yeah, exactly. But I think I think uh, to make it easy uh, for you, if you want to make up a stone riff, you you gotta keep to the box. You know, that's the yeah. main lesson number one. The... Like the intro to save your soul, like something like that, or like the late, much later song of their. There's uh, throwing your life away. Do you remember that one? The the most generic stoner rock riff ever made. Ah, yeah, yeah. I think that riff is the one that uh, it's you. You could play it before even trying. 
Like yeah. it's it's so explanatory, so self-explanatory. I remember we laughed about that. I also riff of yours. But yeah, that's my old riff. <laughs> it's my first same. own riff. Anyway, it doesn't it doesn't matter really because it will sound no. pretty much that way. Yeah, but I think that uh, even though they do this sometimes, uh, Mike Yamotti also plays a lot. Uh, there were also a lot of nice uh, melodies, like in the Misty Valley from um, Another Way to Shine, which, uh, let's see if I remember that one. Uh, I, I like this sort of stuff, and it's... Uh, Maybe some uh, minor stuff going yeah, Dorian, on. Dorian, I think Dorian in that one. You had the casino. It's vibe, a Dorian, yeah, that's yeah. that's uh, what I felt. Yeah. Uh, also, maybe this one uh, from uh, uh, Mantra th- uh, Three, their third album, which was maybe my favorite when I was young. And I'm gonna get to that, but I mean, Spiritual Beggars was really my band. I was, yeah. I listened to them all the time. But here you have uh, Mushroom Tea Girl, uh, another good example. Uh, I think it's very melodic and nice. Also, really, uh, always like a shuffle beat going on, yeah. really danceable. Uh, yeah, it was the first uh, first album for me was Mantra 3, and I remember why. Mm. It was one of your recommendations, obviously, but uh, it was actually recommended in like a special way because I had recently discovered Opeth at that time, I, like in very yeah. recently discovered Opeth. So they were just becoming like a favorite uh, band of mine, and I asked you like... Uh, did you hear the new the new one? It was Deliverance at the time. And you said, yeah, it's good. Yeah. But the best band in the world is Spiritual Beggars. <laughs> so it was like, it's good, it's good, yes. but you should check out Spiritual Beggars. So I was like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. And the, the albums were like nice. uh, seven bucks, you know, on online. So I, mm. I bought a couple of them, Mantra 3, and then On Fire yeah. came out at that time. And yeah, it was, so it was Mantra 3 that got me into it. And it's really like, uh, it's quite heavy too, which I liked. It has oh, yeah. this super heavy, actually. I think it may, may be their heaviest album. Uh, we won't be back there. Into the magic trance. Monster astronaut. <laughs> and now we're leaving ground. Yeah. Monster astronauts. It's nice. Yeah, it's really fun to play these riffs. All of them are really fun. Yeah. You know, there's no forcing in this. He's just playing, I think. He plays and there's a riff. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely. I, I, I was uh, practicing a bit. Like I, I chosen to take "Save Your Soul." It was really like an arbitrary choice. I really dig it, but it's still like I could have been any song. But then I went to look at a few, and I like I I didn't need tabs. You know, there barely are any tabs of uh, Spiritual Beggars. It's just super easy to uh, you you grasp it immediately. It's so pentatonic and uh, or 
Dorian, and it's very easy and very fun. And uh, also, like, always fun to play these shuffle beats, uh, shuffle riffs. Um, hey, and while, while talking about Mantra, Mantra 3, we have uh, uh, two other parts of the band that really like this, 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 this um, uh, version, this mark of Spiritual Beggars is really great. We had um, uh, Michael Amott, uh, we had Spice, and we have... Uh, Ludwig Witt, always on drums, one of Sweden's best rock drummers, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, he's awesome, and he's still active, actually. I think he plays in Shining right now, where I had some connections through a bass player friend of mine who's the ex-bass player of... Mm. I mentioned Cal last week, right? Very good bass player. Yeah. Uh, Alex plays in Cal, and he used to play with Shining. I don't know if Ludwig was in the band at the time, but if he was, I want to ask, because I've been, you know, I've been a fan of this drummer since mm. a long time, so I want to ask how he was to play... Uh, bass with him oh, yeah. because it must have been a lot of fun you know I think his drumming sounds yeah. fun and that's why I really like it I think when I was looking for drummers myself I always wanted to have that kind of fun spirit in it you know that you feel energized yeah. just by him playing he can do a drum intro and it's like Whoo, here we go <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's a party you know great drummer great great drummer yeah, I think most most of their album starts with the drum intro. Yeah, or some, some kind of fill or something. Yeah, they really capitalize yeah. on his energy, which I think they should do. It's a great tactic in their in their case. Um, yeah, Ludwig Witt also plays right now in Grand Magus. Uh, right. Latest I heard, there yeah. uh, so that yeah, it's another connection. We'll get there, but also introduced on Manta 3, at least on a few songs, is Per Viberg, a great organ player. Yeah, previously Organists. mentioned as well. I don't remember when, but we did mention him. Well, I felt like a connection had to be made to Opet, because he also played with Opet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Opet. And uh, he yeah, he really brings, uh, brings a new level to uh, Spiritual Beggars, uh, especially... Uh, maybe on the next album on on Adastra, but on on uh, Manta Tree he also does uh, <laughs> does this special uh, uh, super bossa nova yeah. uh, interlude songs, which for some reason in the newer releases they put as the first uh, track, which I don't like at all. It's just a perfectly and perfect interlude, but it's, it's the first track. It's just like what? A little bit weird, yes. Yeah. And it cuts straight right. There's a kill switch over to the next song, which is. Yeah, not the coolest trick ugly. in this case. Yeah, I don't know who decided that. Um, yeah, but uh, <coughs> Spiritual Beggars, fantastic band. But I wanted to say that it was really like what I what I listened to. I I read an uh, an, an um, I was at my friend Svante's house and I read this in his fuzz guitar magazine. I read a review of Adastra. Uh, now this is. Uh, in the year 2000, that's um, 21 years ago. <laughs> I read this review where where they um, kind of lot. It was a really good review of the album. They loved it, and they said it's the it's the mountain of the 2000s. Hmm. And I think that really makes sense. Uh, we want to hear a mountain riff. <laughs> A little bit of blood of the sun from yeah. Leslie West's Mountain. Mm. Uh, I think it's from 1969, even really yeah. old, really heavy. 
good band will return to them definitely but i think that and i i'd heard uh, of mountain i heard some songs and i was like oh wow this must be really cool and it really it really makes sense i mean it's 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 <laughs> it's not that far from that riff i think i think that uh, uh mike amott has a riff that goes uh, something like You know, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> just, just but I mean, like, uh, stealing, stealing it. Like the the other steel. I mean, now it's, it's a lot of riffs going on. Like the the ugliest steel ever. Yeah. From uh, uh, this U-boat song from uh, uh, the album "On Fire." Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, which I thought uh, is actually one of your favorite albums with Spiritual Beggars, I think. Yeah, it's still Mantra 3. It's still Mantra 3. Yeah, okay, but, uh, okay, okay, I think okay, On okay. Fire, well, what I like about it is that uh, it's, you know, actually I discussed this uh, the other week with uh, with uh, an old uh, an old hero of mine. We chatted about this, that uh, um, bands are enjoyable when they're kind of fucked with a little bit. You know, a member is lost, uh, or yep. another member has to step in. I, I quite like that tension that builds up. And in this album, of course, it is JB from from Grand Magus that steps in to do the vocals, mm. as well as yep. I think the, the Quill bass player or something like that uh, to fill in the bass because yep. Spice obviously did both. So you yep, have a exactly. band kind of in in a new start, you know, trying to make sense of it, but still with Ludwig Witt on the drums, killing it, and Per Wiberg, and obviously mm. Mike Amott. So I think yep. uh, it's not their best album, but I enjoy the effort in trying to mm. do something new. It feels fresh is the wrong word. It's not particularly fresh, <laughs> but it feels uh, uh, full of spirit, you know, full of uh, full of spiritual energy, I would say. So I like it. I like the tone of it. And it's a, it's a nice listen, you know, it's an entertaining listen. They have a lot of landing in this kind of... Uh, eerie stuff you know what is that uh, the mermaid song is fun uh, black feathers with a little bit of that heavy metal something like that black feathers at dawn <laughs> that's a good one no but it, it has something and it has a, re- a really good uh, song at the end somewhere a lunatic fringe which i think holds up really well in their discography yeah. Uh, but they also have Killing Time. <laughs> Maybe the perhaps the worst, one of the worst songs written in yeah. Halmstad, uh, Sweden. Uh, Halmstad is West Coast, Sweden. But uh, yeah, this song is terrible. It sticks in your head too. It sticks in your head too. I sang it the other, just the other week. I was going to the gym and then it started Killing Time. Don't know what I'm doing now. I don't know it, but it, yeah, killing time. Don't know what I'm doing now. <laughs> killing time. It's, it's killing time. Killing, do, 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 do. killing time. And they made a really bad, um, video. bad music video for it as well. Yeah, yeah it Ooh. feels like a, an attempt to do some kind of uh, 90s Metallica or like a whiskey in the jar. It's a party video, I think. And yeah, I mean. It just doesn't resonate with me. It's just something strange with it. It's almost like a fraud. That song. I feel like I, I yeah. feel like I'm being I'm being fooled by it. I'm it's, I'm the fool when I'm listening to that song. Like I shouldn't <laughs> even be listening to it. Really hard to explain. It's just something is off. Something is terribly off <laughs> with that song. Yeah. yeah. If if you were dating Mike Amott, if he was that song, you would think, okay, this is not safe. 
can't date this guy. <laughs> Uh, but then the, the next album, like it took so long in between those albums because I think the, or I know uh, that Arch Enemy was doing really good. So um, I I kind of realized this afterwards or after the fact or during, because I was listening to both of the bands, enjoying it and also enjoying some similarities like um, uh, riffs and leads showing up here and there. But then at some point, the writing just got really sloppy on uh, Spiritual Beggars. And it just became this party band that um, Michael yeah. Lamott liked to go to Japan with, you know, like the <laughs> or Greece, where they're super popular um, right? still. And uh, they lost, uh, I think they lost a lot of the, my interest. And uh, it, it was a really long uh, hiatus between um, uh, On Fire and uh, the follow-up Demons, uh, but I was really excited because they had put this cool cover art on their website. I was like refreshing every other day, yeah. going in, checking news, and then it came out, and it was uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, but it had it, it had one one, one great good song, one great song, I would say, one Just great one. song, yeah, yeah. Okay, again with a riff thief, a riff, a melody yeah. theft, one man army. <laughs> Yeah, there's this old the song, uh, I think, about uh, going to some kind of summer camp. There is an English version of it, but as Swedes, we are super familiar with, obviously, the Cornelius Riesvik version of it. So I, I know that yeah. I've heard the original. So it is out yeah. there. It's this kind of... That's the Spiritual Beggars version. And then the original is just... Sena morsan, sena staben, här i brev från älsklingsgrabben... <laughs> vi har kul på kolonien. kolonien. Vi bor 28 gangstergrabbar igen. <laughs> Storbarak <laughs> yeah, med. Exactly. Massa sängar. <laughs> And so on. And he completely stole that phrasing. But yeah, it works. I mean, it, it works. It works. It works. Definitely. And it has this killer bass solo by uh, maybe one of the sleaziest uh, bass players in rock. Charlie yeah. D'Angelo. Yeah, <laughs> Charlie D'Angelo. I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, don't know much about him personally, but uh, and he plays with uh, King Diamond or Merciful Fate before this, I think. And he plays in all sorts of bands. He's like a higher uh, gun. He was also for a long time dating Lotta Lundgren. Yes, that's where. That's what I, I thought I was going there. That's true. Uh, yeah. Famous TV host. Uh, Lotta Lundgren. Uh, this is a good match, I think. Yeah, she's into <laughs> hairy guys. <laughs> she said that yeah. herself. Yeah. Nothing bad about that. Because Charlie really D'Angelo looks like a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he looks like this uh, uh, comic uh, character Lobo from uh, the 80s. Like this, uh, this hard rock uh, murder that... Uh, uh, commits genocide against this planet and then moves to the around. Uh, he rides around the space, the cosmos on his uh, motorcycle. Yeah, really good. He looks exactly like him. Um, anyway, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. We kind of um, don't really go into the riffs anymore in this show, but it, we kind of did because I, uh, you know, like sometimes I forget it. You know, I play yeah. it once and then there's a lot of trivia, but I felt it's fine. I mean, we kind of also showed right what is. Um, the thing with uh, the riffs of Michael Amott, but uh, I think uh, his leads are pretty good as well. I mean, this pentatonic uh, climbs yeah. up and down, and also the the Vava 
style solos uh, that are really over the top and really euphoric. Uh, yeah, really yeah. like goes for those notes where you really wa- sometimes bands just don't go to those notes, but he really does. You know, like yeah. you f- feel it like oh, it's going there. It's going there. yes. You know, yeah. Like it's, and I, uh, I think it's uh, heavily inspired by uh, Michael Schenker in the lead regard. So in the leads, he, he's leaving. You know, he's leaving the stoner land, and he has this more heroic touch with this very great oh, yeah. tone. Very inspired by Schenker, I'm sure, because a lot of people were already from the early 80s. He started so young. So, I mean, he was the favorite guitarist of Kirk Hammett, James Hetfield, Adrian Smith. The list Mm -hmm. goes on. He's just the biggest guy, you know. And uh, he has this very melodic sense of of lead playing. He doesn't shred for being so famous as a guitar player. And, you know, he doesn't really shred. So I think, and he plays Flying V. So does Mike, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a lot of... uh, a lot of Schenker in the leads, and I think it sprinkles, uh, it makes it more interesting. And I also wanted mm-hmm. to say with regards to the riff, I had this on my mind for half the episode, is that, I mean, I'm going to come off a little, like a little nasty, but I don't think it's about the riffs. I don't think Spiritual Beggars is about the riffs. I think it's about putting the whole thing together and, and making that yeah. sound, that vibe. I mean, the riffs are, you just write it, you know, it doesn't... There's yeah. not too much to deconstruct, you know. Tune down, play pentatonic, use a groovy drummer, you're done. <laughs> yeah, but it's also, I, th- I think you're right in a way, but it's also fucking great uh, inspirations for kids like us that wanted yeah. to play. And we're like, yeah. oh, it's so hard, you know, like all these uh, Metallica songs, I can't play them, you know. But this is like music that, music that you can play. And it's also like music that is uh, current, while still being very retro, but it's still like happening now. So you don't feel like you're going back to Deep Purple or Black Sabbath all the time, like anyone else. Yeah. You're basing it off something that's happening. So I think that is interesting, and I think that's successful also. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously there's yeah. songs too. When I'm saying it's not about the riffs, I'm not saying that the songs don't matter, because yeah. there, there are always chords in them. You know, they're proper songs. He's a songwriter, uh, for sure, even though yeah. he's a riff stealer, you know. It's definitely a riff stealer, and and, uh, and maybe the riffs don't sound like new inventions, but still the order yeah. you put them, uh, the chords you use for pre-chorus, how you build the song dynamically, there's a mm. lot of factors, and he's good in many of those, I would say. Wow. Uh, I know that uh, Spice also wrote a lot of the songs, uh, like the whole songs, and uh, mm. his way of playing bass is also pretty cool. It's, he's really like riffing yeah. the whole yeah. riffs. Kind of lemmy, but uh, more technical. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also singing at the same time, which is hard. Uh, I remember seeing them live. Uh, I saw them live only once, but it was my second, um, uh, second, the second show I I saw, and it was they were uh, uh, supporting Monster Magnet, and uh, Monster Magnet had just released God Says No, which was a huge album for me, and uh, and Spiritual Beggars had just released Adastra and was touring on that album, and it was just great. They didn't play for that long, I guess. Um, but it was really good, and uh, it was really powerful. And I think they got the whole audience with them, which also like makes you feel like, oh, this is really my band. And it, and it really like continued to be like this band that I was obsessed over. And I, oh yeah, you know, yeah. like I said, refreshing their website. <laughs> Who does yeah. that anymore? <laughs> but <laughs> I think but that's, I mean, uh, that's yeah, good. no one does that anymore because you don't have to these days. You're like bombarded with yeah. pop-ups and shit. You, you can't have anything yeah. be known for more than 15 minutes if you're on a computer. It's known to you as well. So I miss sure. those days of refreshing. I miss the old F5. You know, 
Yeah. Like uh, kind of, it's like you're waiting for the store to open. Uh, whereas today, every store is 24 <laughs> seven. Right? All right. I'm going. Uh, yes, miss definitely. It. I kind of miss it. Old school. Yeah. <laughs> All right, old school. I'm gonna play us off uh, this part, this section of the podcast. Save your soul. Yeah, I like that. We finally, actually, actually, finally, yeah, because we're like 40 episodes in now. I think this is episode 40, so I think it was time to bring out this band because it was a big part of a big part of our our starting playing together, and definitely, like, I guess the biggest inspiration for. For our old stoner band, in a way, but we, I, get, we th- yep. I think we also wanted to go more southern, and we had our local band Backdraft. So uh, we had another line on that, but uh, obviously, also just looking back to the riffs that they stole, uh, like the Black Sabbath mm. riffs or whatever. It's a yeah, it's like a good resource, really. It's almost like a, a riff library too, you know, <laughs> or that that old riff museum we talked about. Well, I, I've, I'm still, I still find uh, some inspiration there, and I, just a small, quick shout out to Joppe who, who taught me how to tune down the guitar and also forced me to wear, have this heavy ass gauge strings on my SG, so I wouldn't get, go out of tune or sound so bad. Uh, but that was that was good for my playing, I think. And um, yeah, I was, I had re- really like a. Um, a starstruck moment when he said, "Like, oh yeah, Michael showed me how to play this song," and I was like, ah! "Whoa, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, oh, definitely. I also remember those days when you finally like you started to see the musicians from the big Swedish bands that you liked, and you just started to realize that a lot of them are just bums. And <laughs> it was nice. It was nice to realize that, you know, they also need to work in a gas station, etc. You know, <laughs> uh, in order to survive." Because that's rock, but I think yeah, in this band that I'm bringing out today, it's uh, not uh, local Stockholm musicians, and it's uh, uh, quite a bit earlier than than us roaming the streets of southern Stockholm. Um, yeah, let's see if you can if you can recognize it. All right.
yeah, no, I, I don't know. I just, I was just sitting like this. There's a time to live and a time to die and a yeah. time to meet your maker. And I was like, no, that's not the song. Same, same key, same key, yeah. Yeah, and same melody, almost like the it's very similar, yeah. The riffage. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, that, that got me it's, kind it's of a bit earlier than uh, the clairvoyant by Iron Maiden. So maybe uh, it's an inspiration to uh, for them. It could Why be. Not? It could be. It's quite big, you know. And um, another clue is that one of the. I mean, I don't think you're going to guess it because it's not like part of maybe your vocabulary. But it's fun to to have these clues, even mm -hmm. for you listeners. That uh, yeah. one of the guitarists that founded this band also mixed Master Puppets, which is quite a feat in its own, you know, to have mixed that classic sounding record and, and many others. He made his career within that, so he he left this band, I think, quite early on. But um, yeah, German band. Any clue? Uh, I was thinking um, accept. It is accept. Or no. Yeah. Yes. So have, that's what I felt. Yeah. That was, that's what I felt. Yeah. They have uh, a special sound, not, right? Yeah. What did you want to add is, on that? Definitely. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know anything about accept. Uh, did it write uh, balls on the wall? Yeah, but balls to the wall. Yeah. Balls to the wall. That's not the song. Or is it? No, it's balls to the wall, yeah. Uh, you got ah! your balls to the wall, man. Du, 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 du. <laughs> I guessed right. That's, yeah. that's pretty good. I had no idea, but I still guessed it's it. It's very fun with these like, German hard rockers because they have so many songs about uh, being <laughs> tired of being pushed by the system. You know, uh, Halloween yeah. have this uh, eagle fly free or uh, I want out. Uh, you know, a lot of these songs are just oh, yeah. about being slaves to the machine and, and sad about it, you know. Uh, but this particular song is not about that. It's, uh, it's called Princess of the Dawn, and it's kind of pure fantasy-based lyrics from uh, the 82 breakout record, um, Restless and Wild. Uh, final right. song final song on the album, but I think one of their absolute biggest hits. And you have that nice chorus drop, that I like to call it, when, you know, when the chorus is just a, a building of chords and then right back to the riff. So they have this, the riff is in D. And then they change to A with the chorus like. Princess of the dawn. <laughs> you know, it's just a classic way to do it. And I think what really signifies the sound of Accept that maybe was the reason that you can find, you could find it in your head is that they have this low tempo yes plodding yes, that's that's four four that's what <laughs> that's what i wanted to go to. this like this is to me like heavy metal yeah right it's, it's not it's not fast it's pretty slow yeah it's like uh chugging along on a it's kind of on a on a highway you're in this lada or like this really bad uh, east german car you're you're driving through the ddr there's one exit, you missed it, so you have to go for like two yeah. days to get to the next one. And this song, is, this riff is pl uh, playing the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not a bad thing, but it's really like how it feels. You just it's really see, slow. You just see the stripes of the road coming like... For hours. <laughs> you know, there's this uh, thing, this musical road. Do you know what that is? Uh, no. It's when you build in bumps in the road that when you drive over it, it's like playing, uh, you know, like playing notes. So you hear a song if you <laughs> drive over. So that they would have that on East German roads, they would have uh, 
except when you drive over, he was like, now I understand. Yeah, I think I like that you make this connection because when I was looking into this, a really I was, weird one. I don't know too much about except I can admit already now. Uh, like uh, I w- couldn't even recite the discography or the lineup. Uh, I may need help even, you know, uh, but I'm going to get to a little bit of accept uh, trivia here because it's fun that you talked about this, the musical road or the autobahn is going on and on. Because when I was playing this riff, I, I thought about how they started. So they started in uh, in this town called Solingen. It's in West Germany, uh, like 20 kilometers of Düsseldorf. The Ruhrgebiet, I think yeah. you could say, previously I mentioned, in Game for Riffs. Yes. And uh, they started already in 71. Um, they came up with the name first. They were called Band X. And then... They came up with the brilliant name <laughs> Accept, and I think they came up with that name only to be first in the record shelves. Yeah, I think yeah, that, that the, must have been the case. That's what right? I've heard, right? <laughs> ACC, yeah, no one is going to get ahead. Not even ACDC, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like how they started. And what I wanted to get to with regards to your comment and your what you heard in the riff is that this was also the era of crowd rock, right? Uh, yes, this this German kind of pre-techno in a sense. Uh, Kraftwerk have a drummer and a bass player in the old days, and they play this music. We have Neu, we have Can, and probably several other bands that play this super monotonous uh, one chord four four one twenty BPM style music. Yeah, and this is a, like a more st- uh, broken chord evil version of that. Really, if you listen to it, like. <laughs> So if that was Neu, it could be something like... So I think it, it's, it kind of comes from that territory, but then with yeah. kind of these hard-rocking German dudes that, you know, obviously they got really into... I don't know when when did ACDC start? A bit uh, into 1974, the 1974, right? something like this. Yeah, pretty early. So I mean, they didn't have a debut album until way after that, except uh, Cup, which was uh, no. I think was a debut was in '79 or something like that. This is the third album is Restless and Wild, and it's the breakthrough record because they were kind of also forced by the record label on the second album to play certain songs. You know, they were kind of uh, groom, groomed, or what could you say? Yeah, kind of groomed into something they were not on, on the second album called I'm a Rebel. I, I listened to it a little bit, and <laughs> it was terrible. Whoa, what a shit record. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely horrendous. But here you have Restless and Wild 82, <laughs> and then Balls to the Wall, as you mentioned, 83. And I think that's the most mm. interesting era of, of Accept. It's interesting what you say. Uh, just go back a bit to the... Sure. We're talking autobahn. We're talking. Uh, we're talking uh, krautrock. Uh, we're talking all these kind of bands that come out of Germany and uh, uh, make a kind of monotonous music. That it's it's really a bit significant. There aren't that many strong melodies uh, coming from Germany. I mean, the, maybe Scorpions, uh, sort of. I mean, of course they are, but they're more well to do. Yeah. Uh, where were they from, actually, Scorpions? Same area, uh, but Hanover. Oh, okay. 
Hanover. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I've been to Ruhrgebiet and it's like, it looks like the Netherlands, but it's maybe they, they paid with uh, Monopoly money. That's how it, what it looks like. Kind of. It's really r- run down. Yes. And uh, East Germany is, uh, you know, there, there is this, the monotonous is a thing you latch onto and then you stick to it. And I guess uh, technically you, you're referring also like to a pedal note that goes on. Yes, drone uh, even. In this. Because a drone it's so steady. Note. Yeah, 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 the yeah. D note in this song is so steady and then just switch to A for the, to get the tension for the chorus drop. That's about it. Yeah. And then that melody that comes is, you know, as you said, it's not really a strong melody. It sounds like... Uh, not really a, they haven't really crafted a melody there it's just a d, <laughs> d minor <laughs> you know it's it's not inventive not really it's more no, architectural it's, again as i said about rammstein yeah yeah oh, it is kind of like going yeah rammstein also that's uh, interesting to bring them back uh going for attempting to make the most basic uh, heavy metal yeah uh, that the world has ever seen after the flamboyant uh 70s and like during the neon 80s then right. you have this german architect students <laughs> yeah <Like> blocks <laughs> building blocks it really feels like that you yeah know, like boom to pa to 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 it's minimalistic in uh, a sense okay but i want True, but I want to uh, know who plays this riff and uh, who is in the band. Yeah, who is in the band? Uh, I previously mentioned um, Michael Wagner, who was start who started the band together with Udo Dirkschneider, uh, and uh, Michael Wagner obviously then mixed uh, uh, Master of Puppets among others, and he made a big career with that because he's one of the best in the world. Uh, I think he's still up to that, as far as I know. And then they have. Um, like the the other two famous guitarists of the band are Wolf Hoffman. I think he's still the band leader. But again, dear listener, I'm not an expert on this band. But as far as I know, Wolf Hoffman is still the band leader and the, the only original member. He's so he's kind of driving the ship alone today. Uh, and then the other guitarist on this album is Jörg Fischer, or Jörg Fischer. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> also, of course, you gotta mention Udo Dirkschneider. He's yes. the most important character of the band. This kind of bullet bill, you know, <laughs> this tight little, <laughs> okay. this tight little uh, man power that he is. <laughs> I mean, can, we, can we describe him? He's so easy to like for me. I instantly start liking him because he comes up with this strange stature, and then he starts like, <laughs> how could you not love that guy? I don't know. So, what's your comment on? I, I, well, I, w- I want to bring up a picture of him so I have him uh, in front of me. Yeah, you should. Yeah, he, he, if you ever seen the dear listen, if you ever seen the TV show uh, The Shield uh, with Michael Chiklis as uh, as this corrupt corrupt uh, cop that uh, in the first episode they shoot a colleague and then they try to cover it up for the rest of the season uh, and it just goes worse and worse. This is really looking at the same person. He <laughs> looks like someone who would shoot you in the head without blinking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he yeah. <laughs> when he's younger, he looks more like uh, this. Is even harder to describe. It's like uh, like he plays water polo, but it's like uh, the water is made of lava. He's so 
made out of granite or like maybe Rurgebit coal, something, you know, the granite in between the coal chunks. Yeah. He just dug himself out of there at one point. Yeah, again, very bullet bill. And uh, as I'm reading now, I think that Mike, Michael Wagner maybe haven't even been involved in the band other than starting it. It's hard for me to to understand how, what part he played in the band, but uh, I just want to say that for my own my, to keep my own back free. But uh, I am quite sure that uh, Wolf uh, Hoffman is the only guy still in the band today. And I wanted to ask you on that account. I thought it would be an interesting topic: is how yep. okay is it, and or how is it just simply is it a good thing to keep on driving a band with only one of the original members in it? As a, it's mm. almost like a tribute act to yourself, a cabaret or a cash cow, really, to be honest. But it, ca- could it be a good thing still? Like maybe it's hard for me to imagine because I wasn't an Accept fan as a young kid or anything. So I'm not like um, dying to see them live or anything, especially not without Udo. But maybe other fans are really happy that Wolf Hoffman is still driving this thing, even though it's almost mm. a tribute to itself. So yeah, what's your comment? I think a lot of bands. Uh, they play festivals all over Europe, maybe like half of them in Germany or more. Uh, and people like drinking beer and listening to this steady, monotonous beat, I think. For it's sure. It's very simple. And then like maybe there's a reunion and maybe there's a thousand more, two thousand more people in attendance, but like these bands can just ch- keep on chugging. Because uh, they've done it for so long. I think, imagine be, being a... Maybe you're the guitarist... You. You you got the rights to uh, you it, you got the rights to play uh, the songs, but maybe you didn't write them, and you just like you you can't do anything. <laughs> you have no skills, and you're just going around the world playing the songs, uh, making money off selling T-shirts, no royalties, or something like this. That might, might also be the case. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, ethically, uh, yeah, it's not it's not it's not a great decision, maybe, but. Uh, I don't know. I'm not against it. I mean, it's hard. Life is hard enough as it is. True. If you have a chance to make money, you should go for it. Yeah, it's true. I think it's it's really hard for me too to make my mind up on this. But I think your your best point there is that it is nice to be on a mm. summer day and drink beer to accept. You know, it's it's a way for friends to to make friends in like the county of Dalarna here in Sweden. That's definitely how you make your hardworking friends. You have a barbecue and you listen to accept. And if you can do that live... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the picture of uh, Udo Dirkschneider uh, sitting on a wrecking ball, much like Miley Cyrus did uh, 40 years okay. later. Uh, wearing camo, looking kind of like Sting, but if Sting had all his air... Uh, pumped out of him like a ball that's what it looks like it's a bit fat also it's really cool yeah (laughs) it's a very interesting character and so so easy to spot he lives in uh, in Ibiza now Ibiza so he's not Uh, really he's famous in that crowd so he's not that often recognized but if he walks around in Berlin or or um, you know Hamburg or something he's recognized all the time because it's so easy to recognize this fellow and he has such a distinct style and I guess his voice is is kind of close to the ACDC voice, but still with more German touch to it. <laughs> uh, and definitely, you know, a lot of people would say an ugly voice with a... Yeah. But so would many people say about Brian Johnson too. 
Yeah, true. I mean, maybe uh, ah, I don't know. Like, I, th- I think the groove of ACDC uh, does it for me in another way. But, um, yeah, it's so but much. I, think, I think it's good to have a have a steady beat if you want to drink beer. Like, if you want to be really <laughs> uh, good at drinking beer, you need a steady beat so you can just like race. <laughs> or like yeah, swivel your arm so you, so the beer glass goes into your mouth and then down and then back down. You know, like it yeah. should be simple. Yeah. You know, simple much, stuff. Yeah. I think the best drinking yeah. rhythm is still the Irish triplet rhythm because then you can f- get the full swing of your uh, tank card right there. You know, that's the that's the number one beer rhythm I would say. But. I think uh, yeah, this is like concrete beer drinking, you know. Yeah, but there was a there was a, a riff in the uh, uh, the break riff in Save Your Soul that really it had an accept feel to it, a bit maybe too chromatic, but it went uh, like this. Yeah, sure, I agree. Yeah. It has a bit of that. I, he yeah. must have listened to. Uh, uh, what was it, Wolf uh, Schneider? No, <laughs> Wolf it? Hoffman. Yeah. Wolf Hoffman. Yeah, most likely. Michael Wagner. I mean, rural Swedes in in the eighties, they listened a shit ton, I think, to accept, because I yeah. I, I talk to people and there's always this accept Lasse or accept Janne or you know some super fan of accept, you know, that he puts them way yeah. above Iron Maiden <laughs> and all that, you know, which is you know it's crazy to me, it's ludicrous to me, but as kind of a as an interesting topic, I like accept uh, a song here and there. There's just something yeah. about this German stiffness, like uh, uh, no harm intended to to, uh, to any German hearts out there, but there is this stiffness, there's this lack of, I wouldn't say lack of creativity, there is a creativity to it, but it's always more like systematic in a sense, I don't know. Yeah, but no, but it is maybe related to like the, the machine, the like, you know, Kraftwerk. Yeah. It's related to the Autobahn, uh, in a way, also maybe kind of related to uh, uh, fascism, but they wouldn't say it out loud. But just this lockstep, uh, yeah. getting in uh, a marching uh, order, yeah. orderly fac- fashion. Uh, but I think that existed before because it was a big military nation even before uh, Adolf Hitler. And, um, yeah, it was so uh, definitely it, with the Kaiser all, and, all, uh, and Preussen and all that. Yeah, so it all like kind of comes together into this. Uh, monotonous music i want to say yeah. but, yeah, but we have we, but it's fun because we have uh the the more melodic bands like uh um you mentioned uh, halloween. i went out halloween yeah uh blind guardian blind guardian and yeah. uh and uh, scorpions and uh this stuff also exists but it all uh, ev- but i think all german music exists uh, for one reason and that is to drink beer yeah uh, you know you have oktoberfest or you uh, at the football game or you're in just a Bierstube or wherever. You think Blutwurst, Blutwurst, <laughs> you're drinking beer. You Basically, you're drinking beer all the time. And you need good, steady music to do it to. A lot of the, the thematic of the, or the, the music feels like it's about rocking or uh, drinking and, and having a good time. But I did check out the lyrics for, for this song, Princess of the Night, and they surprised me. You know, Can you guess how they surprised mm. me? In what, in what way? Uh, they were not about Princess of the Night. They were about something else. <laughs> no, I mean the title speaks for 
Princess of the Dawn is the title. I always say Princess of the Night. It's because of Saxon. Okay. It's because of Saxon, dear listener. Because they have Princess of the Night, which is about a train. <laughs> a rock and roll train. Metal train. Yeah. Steel and thunder roaring through the night or something like that. But yeah, oh, these are great. the lyrics. <laughs> they go like this. There's rain on the mountain, a white frost on the moor. It's an epoch of eternity. Waters touch the holy shore. It's a land of mystery, the world of unseen eyes. You can feel the shadow of a princess waits for you inside. The guardians of God play their pawns. Beg for mercy, hail the queen, princess of the dawn. Good crafting of, of syllables. I think it has a nice flow to it, and I think it's part of it being a big hit. So I was surprised it wasn't more like German English, because if you look at Scorpions, yeah. for example, Scorpions lyrics are sometimes terribly, terribly bad in terms of English language. <laughs> I, I didn't have time to react there, but I thought it was really good, also your rendition of it, but I also was brought into this... Uh, uh, world that he describes immediately, much like uh, Holy Diver, maybe by Dio or yeah. like whatever Dio song. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's just, it's, what surprised me was the fact that they are not so affected by being German. And they actually, maybe they wrote this in German and, and had help translating it. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, very cool. German dudes. Nice. Uh, they are often the best when they are not afraid of this stiffness. You know, when they head for that, and with Kraftwerk, for example, being the big ones, and then later oh. Rammstein, and to a certain extent, accept that they kind of accept that, accept, haha, and they accept that uh, <laughs> that we're good at this. We're good at building these solid blocks. And, and yeah. there is, I mean, it's groove within it. It's not like computer music, not fully, not even Kraftwerk, but they are really good in this no. sense. And I heard in a Swedish podcast, uh, Jan Gradvall, Swedish music journalist, he said that uh, when Kraftwerk came about, they started singing about these um, non-cultural topics because the culture obviously was a bit dented after after the Third Reich. So there wasn't too much cultural connections to tie onto or stories to tie onto in your songs. So they start singing about Autobahn, you know, or the express train and making these kind of music uh, surrounding these weird topics, not really lyrical topics. Uh, so I think that maybe, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, um, I think uh, like uh, for instance, or for especially, uh, we have to dig into krautrock. Also, I think there is a a sort of that like this monotonous four-four uh, beat uh, becomes groovy after a while. The longer you listen to it, the more you get into it, and you feel there is a groove going on there. It's very interesting. It's a hallucinatory experience. And um, perhaps I can find a riff, or you can find a riff that kind of belongs there. But I think definitely accept is part of this. At least like the Ger the German way of looking at music. Um, totally disregarding yeah. all the classical uh, <laughs> musicians like Bach, Beethoven. I mean, the super melodic genius. Yeah, but I mean, that's you know, like it's it, quite it, hard it for riffs to get into, but one day maybe. Ah, one day. We have to invite uh, Shredmaster uh, Scott to go through some uh, retrograde inversions or something like this. Something, something like that. Something like that. And I'm, I'm now searching for this title that I, it escapes me, but uh, except used to play a German folk song uh, live. Have you found it? Uh, no, I couldn't find it, but uh, anyway, it's a German title. That's why it's hard for me to remember it. But they used to play this song live and, and they were booed 
as hell in France, in France because the, oh, yeah. the crowd said that this is the song like the soldiers sang when they invaded. You can't do this on stage. And they, they did look it up and they claimed that it wasn't sang by the soldiers. But I mean, maybe it was that vibe in it. <laughs> was, were they standing on stage looking it up on the phones? <laughs> they were not. <laughs> they were not. But I mean, they say that it has no connection anyway. But uh, they, don't, they still don't do it in France. Uh, they still don't do it in, uh, in the Eastern Bloc. Uh, they only do this in separate, some some countries, but apparently it's yeah. only something that one of the guitarists used to sing as a kid. It's just like a lullaby or something like that. So it's very harmless in a sense, but uh, they can't do it. And he, Udo said that he was very surprised to see the rise of Rammstein, how like a big-ass yeah. French crowd singing along in German. Like, this is impossible. Yeah. How could this have happened? But he obviously was happy about it. Is, is France maybe the least metal country in Europe? In a sense, in a sense. How, but I think there are a lot of metalheads there. I mean, Hellfest, huge. Uh, yeah, For sure, but bands, you know, like this may be something for a later show, but uh, I want to talk about like the, how metal, uh, metal in the world. <laughs> metal in the world, good topic. Yeah. Metal in the world. <laughs> no, but like where, where does it, like where does the interest, like the, of course, like in Germany, they have their kind of, type of metal but they also it's also such a big country so you can if if you tour as a as a band you go to germany you know that's uh, yeah. what you do um but also like uh, britain super metal <laughs> like uh, and the uh, sweden and norway have their own brand of metal just like yeah britain do For sure. but like what's going on in in France, they have the different type of music. They have a uh, Hans Boer, you know, like this, uh, yeah, <laughs> like kind of uh, incest uh, rock. I don't know. That's uh, interesting. We'll we'll uh, return there. Yeah, I mean, day. just definitely Goodyear and previously also Loudness are two big French metal bands. But you are right, and they have yeah, they have a different groove to it. Entirely different groove. Uh, way more, usually more jazzy in the rhythm, and yeah, a lot to get into there. So let's keep that um, in the notes. For future shows. Well, I mean, the cl- the closest I, I I featured two uh, French bands, but they hardly can uh, be called metal bands. Far from uh, it. Very far from far it. Far from it. But they do riff. They do riff. So they, they are still they're okay for this show. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I meander. Uh, you have to stop me. Uh, <laughs> should we perhaps stop? Yeah, I think we should. I think we should. Uh, I, I I brought that. Jesus, old cans falling over here. <laughs> Jesus! You can have yeah. a soundboard with you, your reactions. Right, right. Today. No, I bought in, except actually because I don't know too much about them, and I, I felt that I needed to do something a little bit more brief this time because uh, Captain Beyond, as fun as it was, that was a dive, you know, that was a deep dive. I'm kind of still ascending towards the surface from that. So uh, I yeah, wanted to just touch too. on this, and uh, I like the riff. I think it's a good riff, so I guess I could uh, could just play it. And uh, also say thank you to you listeners out there for sticking with us again and uh, coming along with us into the new year of 2021. Distortion. Yeah. Hey, 
Thanks, dear listener, for sticking with us as Jonathan said, but also for being the best Gotham listeners in the world. You don't speak much, but you do listen. And that's what we like here at Gain It For Riffs. Gain It For Riffs. Gain It For Riffs presents a backwards episode, starting in the end, going backwards. Gain It For Riffs. Sphere of the Nation. Sphere of the Nation. Sphere of the Nation.